Are you ready for a firearm-friendly social media? Big tech hates you, your firearms, and your lifestyle. They continually throttle and delete your firearm-related content and the ability to see content you want. Every day, your friends, favorite influencers, gun shops, or manufacturers get canceled and banned. They will not stop till you no longer have a voice. There is an alternative, Gunspace. Gunspace has taken the best components of top social media and fused them together for a unique social experience. A scrollable feed, clubs, podcast network, forum, and NFT creator are features of the app. We want to help you socialize and engage with other firearms enthusiasts, dealers, and manufacturers without random unwanted posts or unrelated advertising. Gunspace, the firearms-friendly social media. Download Gunspace, one word, in the App Store now. You can find us on Gunspace at C-I-P-O-D. Hey guys, welcome back to the second episode here of the Clone and Correct PCSL Madness. This second episode is uh, one where uh, the beer caught up with me and I'm speaking in cursive. This is the side of the episode where we have Max and Hunter Constantine with us. We're really happy to have them and we're going to happily have Max and Hunter back whenever. We're super thankful that we had uh, Mike Pannone for the first part of this series. We'd love to have him back as well. Without any further ado, please enjoy me speaking in cursive about guns. Backstory, I carried a Glock 19C for a number of years. What, on the practical side, it says no barrel porting is allowed. Was there, was the thinking behind that? And is there a chance that maybe it changes or is that, or you feel like that's going to stay that way for, uh, for a while? Yeah, the, the barrel porting is, is, uh, think like that's something that's going to stay it's just that that's more of an advantage than a gas pedal in terms of um yeah like it's it's just like a comp uh, i think you know it's it's you're using the gas to aid in your recoil control um and that's just one of the divisional differences that makes it interesting between competition and practical so like any time you're using the gas to aid the recoil control like that puts you into competition vision all right i got you uh, on that note, because this is kind of an interesting, thing to, interesting thing to bring up, I should say, um, with the uh, porting, comping kind of thing, and then actual carry pistol, right? I have a P three sixty five that has a Parker Mountain Machine comp on it, and I put it on there purely because th- that seemed fun. I want to comp a small gun and see what it does. And lo and behold, it actually works really well. That gun probably doesn't qualify for actual carry pistol, does it? I mean, we haven't wrote the rules for that at all. So, like, uh, there are obviously trade-offs on dimensions. Um, if we're if we're going to model it off of the box format, then, you that know... Kinda- I kind of laughed about that in its own self because you're like, oh, a little bit to the Glock 19 size guns and, you know, transfer carries a 34. I carry a full size 1911. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't carry my 34 a whole lot anymore, actually. I got a, a 45 with an acro that I've been carrying a lot, actually. Um, I mean, that's just like IWB practical vision. Exactly. And I, I would just say, like, I'm going to go with practical, right? But like if I if. if in theory, if someone, or especially like, not even just my particular P365, but like uh, the, the, X, the, 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 the X macro guns and like the uh, 
was going to say, we're the 365 rows with the I was gonna say, uh, we're comp X macros comped. Is that right? Yeah, X yeah. macros comped and then the new 365 uh, comp that's in the Rose series that Lena Mitchell like, just put out. Um, we're start, we're starting to see this move more and more to comped carry guns. Like it's starting to kind of go mainstream. It's starting to go mainstream, and it's kind of one of those things of like, is it worth keeping into the carry thing or, or to the actual carry pistol or not? Because the number of people, and especially, and I, I will say this, just a kudos to to Sig and Melina on that, is that the uh, the Rose series seems like a really smartly done launch of a signature line and the best launch of a women's focused carry gun line that we've seen in a long time and that's their actual the, the people who are buying that is going to be their actual carry gun it's going to be a woman who's actually carrying that gun um do we just go with the box rule and say comp doesn't matter but it better fit in the box yeah it's, I, I'm leaning toward that now I mean like if uh if companies are coming out with more standardized um feature set on these carry guns like you know optic cuts comps or uh like single port comp barrel porting all that like it kind of makes sense just to you know it could be a cop division like actual carry open pistol like do whatever you want if, if it fits in the box 15 plus yeah. one mag capacity like and you can have a dot uh Maybe so like the, the, the dot isn't part of the box, something like that. Because the X macro is a 17, so that means the people would have to just download a 15. I, I think that makes the most sense to standardize it. It's like the same reasoning behind standardizing practical to 21. Like some guns, like a stock G19, you know, come with 15 round mags, and then in practical, like stock uh, SIG, you know, you can buy 21 round SIG mags for that. So, I mean, I kind of, I think that kind of makes general sense is just to do that because, like. Yeah, like my my niche case is one thing, but like when there's actual factory guns that pe that like people like Sig are making, and you're gonna probably because Sig's making it, you're gonna see companies like Glock trying to, you know, or people bringing Glocks with comps on them. I should say because Glock's not gonna comp at a 43x or a 48 anytime soon, but you will see companies probably like uh, Springfield and Taurus doing that, and Springfield's already doing that in some way with the Hellcat. So you're going to see comped carry guns become a real thing yeah. for a lot of people. And um, I would be surprised if companies like uh, Taurus didn't come out with a, a comped gun for like their micro carry thing. Um, so you're, you're going to see more of it. And because that's a thing, I feel like it's just kind of like a, a leave it up in the air, right? Like, and also, I think it would be hilarious just to see of a lot of people going out to go shoot their actual carry gun, and they uh, show up with some freaking weird contraption for a concealed carry gun. Like, I'm going to try to run this. Like, okay, bud, have fun. Yeah, what I like about it is that uh, it allows the division to encourage innovation, or not even necessarily from manufacturers, but from people who modify things and then that gets noticed by manufacturers later. Um, and uh, it's kind of the philosophy behind practical division, especially the rifle is be extremely non-restrictive uh, while just having a couple of restrictions that make key differences in how the gun recoils and performs versus competition division. But like instead of requiring an A2 flash hider, uh, 
require the device to be not a pure muzzle brick um, or have like recoil reducing baffles that basically like you could stick a chopstick through, you know, from one side to the other um, and encourage like innovation and hybrid type devices uh, or even um, like using suppressors. Uh, because really there there is a nice middle ground, like like the Surefire War Comp is a great example like that. That thing really does tame muzzle rise and uh, makes the shooter do less work, but still retains really good flash hiding capabilities. Same with like the the hybrid style breaks like the Knights Armament MAMS or like Cobalt Kinetics RCB that they came out with recently. Or the, uh, the PWS FSC 556 is a good example of that as well. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's like, it's still pretty much a muzzle break in the way it works, but is it truly exactly like a true race muzzle break? No, it's not. It, it, it is not. It, it is a, a good muzzle break in its own right, but it, it's mostly focused around actually being a practical flash hider kind of device that does do recoil overcompensation. And that, that trade-off is well worth it. And the PWS, um, so, I, I, that one actually has uh, is like the perfect example to use because I think they have two uh, types of the FSC, or maybe it's called something different. But one is a little longer and has a muzzle brake baffle, like a single one in in the back, and then one is just their little like open kind of like half brake, half flash hider port with those like little claws that come out on either side, and like that is what I use to define and help people understand like where the where the brake is uh is counted like where where the line actually sits right yeah, yeah. so like that breaking <laughs> baffle in the rear like that classifies it as a break under the PCSL rules and but the other one is totally fine hmm so i guess the other question is like as far as are we kind of set on the four divisions as they sit or are you going to consider adding another division for the one gun and then like where does I, that I think it's perfect right now like it, two two gun two divisions like there's I don't think there's any reason to go past that like the it, the concealed carry handgun into two gun would be interesting but then like what kind of rifle would you match for that like folding stock you know fits in this backpack kind of thing like that could be interesting, but it's just it's too convoluted, honestly. So in one gun, I think four handgun divisions and PCC is just perfect. It's like it's still practical division, but you have PO and PI and then you add your actual carry pistol. And yeah, like there's room for, you know, some kind of factory low round count kind of thing. And there's room for maybe a micro carry pistol like backup style gun. Um, but just it's got to be really interesting to where you can justify at a championship level, like recognizing these divisions as as earning title that means a lot. And that means having a huge participation across the country of not just, you know, uh, like your average competitive shooters, but people who are really dedicating their time to this division because they want to show off uh, how much you can push these guns in a performance landscape. So it's it's really hard to add a lot of divisions and justify it. Like that's a mistake that USPSA and USSL and other leagues have made. IDPA too. They have like a thousand divisions. Yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. Are you get with when it comes to actual carry pistol? Because I know when you look at 
Um, on the two gun side of things, if you look at uh, the handgun caliber restrictions, it it bottoms out at nine nine NATO, right? Are you talking about like thirty super carry? No, but it, well, not even that. I'm actually, super carry. I, I mean, thirty. You mean like the modern the fucking thirty-two French long, as forgotten weapons would call it? No, but no, I'm not even talking that. But like, if we're talking like the the one gun division, because like for two gun, I I could agree with like cutting it the, the bottom limit to being like nine by nineteen. Like, j- just shut up and bring a fucking Glock or an M&P, right? Like, just stop being weird, right? Don't show up with a thirty super carry. Maybe you could open it up to 30 super carries your bottom limit or 380 is your bottom limit. But for one gun, especially with actual carry pistol, I would open the bottom limit up to the bottom being a 32 ACP purely because, uh, Beretta released that new ADX. Um, yeah. and that gun's going to be mad popular this year because the 84 series of 380s have been super popular. And do you guys know the power I'll, factors on, on these calibers by any chance? I have no idea, but honestly, I don't know if it matters as long as it can knock over, knock a steel plate off of like a Texas star or something. Like, I, I don't think it matters. Well, the, the interesting thing about power factor and actually like this, this is something that Daniel Horner messaged me. Uh, I think after reading the one gun rule set is that, um, it, it was an argument for power factor that I'd never actually heard before because it's such a long term, like a uh, long time frame focus argument versus what people think of now, which is that like having a power factor actually in- increases innovation because all you have to do is set a like a maximum velocity limit in order to protect your steel targets and maintain safety. And then, uh, you know, let anyone come up with any caliber that they want that allows um i i do know about this kind of i've heard of this a little bit so this is like a uspsa thing that happened like in the 90s and thank you to forgotten weapons for highlighting this weird caliber i never knew existed but smith came up with a major power factor uh 355 bullet they called 356 match or something like that like i I remember what it was but they made the 5906 period series of like service pistols in this weird caliber. It was entirely intended to be a major power factor round to meet major power factor. And it was for competitive shooting kind of things. And it was a very weird thing they came up with and it like fizzled out in a few years. So Dan does have a point on that. I'm not going to say he doesn't, but I kind of feel like they, like the lower limit becomes the problem. Um, right. It's and cr- like chrono at majors is is the big deal there. I I guess people are just used to it, used to running it. It's not that huge a deal to mandate it, but. Well, I mean, I feel like it, I I agree with the, the power factor thing, and like maybe this is. I don't know if I agree is the right word, but I understand the idea and the perception behind it. Um, so for me, it makes sense. Um, but from my perspective, like I can see a lot of guys buying that 80 X or other weird 38, uh, 
380s or 32s or other weird small carry guns and wanting to show up and shoot actual carry pistol because there are weird people that will buy these guns as their actual carry guns. Um, and as, the ADX, as you know, I just thought about this. Um, bringing women into competition shooting, a lot of them carry 380s. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it more predominantly. That's um, actually a really good point because you'll get a lot of women, and especially back in, this is not necessarily as common now with the prevalence of like the, uh, well, the 365 and the Glock 43. Um, but back before the 43 and the 365 were super common, uh, probably the most common first concealed carry pistol that when I was at the counter I would sell to women was the SIG P238. That was super common, right? And while that's a gun most of us would tell a wife or girlfriend to not buy, it's also a pretty common, it was a pretty common market point, uh, pick at that time. And translated to now, that would be the 365 and 380, which is an offering of from last year, and the LCP Max. But those guns are really common. And they show up to the match and they realize that maybe those guns don't shoot as well as actually shooting like a regular carry pistol, right? And they would probably not show up with that gun twice. Just giving them the chance to get their foot in the door is probably worth doing. So that could be a good argument for that, in my opinion. So this is like uh, sub. This is like ninety power factor. It's kind of what we're talking about, I guess. I'm, I don't know about thirty super carry, but three eighty looks like ninety. Thirty super carry sits ballistically between three eighty and nine nineteen. So. You're about in that same range, but I, I think the ability for like someone to have accessibility with a 380 and just try and fail miserably because it's not a great gun for actual competition use, but just so that you could like a guy who kind of got his girlfriend into shooting, right, or his sister or his mom or whatever, and just say, hey, why don't you like show up at this match, show up with your gun, get a couple extra magazines and try right? Just show up and try and see how you do. And if she doesn't do well, then that's fine. But you can at least kind of get them to see how good or bad they are and where they can fix things. Because it's not necessarily about them even continuing to pursue competition. It's more about an opportunity to let them pursue a better method of actually fixing their shooting and seeing their own deficiencies. And for a lot of people, that's going to be worth, it's going to be worth bringing a girlfriend to a match. If that makes any sense. No, right? no I totally like, agree from that standpoint. It's, it's just like the, the second you allow something, uh, you have to think of it from a like holistic perspective, like, who, what's the best gun going to be now? It's going to be something that's larger, like Glock 19 size with this little tiny round that, um, yeah, that has less recoil. And then you're going to have uh, guys with these custom guns dominating with that. Like, like imagine a like staccato C2 or something chambered in 380. 
Um, or, or the, um, specifically the, uh, the ADX from Beretta is exactly the gun I was thinking about because also I thought that would be a fun gun to compete with in actual carry pistol. Cause it's a slightly smaller than a Glock 19 380 that is optics ready. Like that gun would be really good at this. Right. And I would, I actually want one personally. Right. And I would want to go shoot one at a match. Um, and would I actually carry that gun? Yeah, I have no problem carrying a 380 gun. Um, so could this be an interesting gun to use for the match? Yeah, it kind of could be, right? Um, so maybe, just maybe, it might be kind of worth considering on the inclusion side of it because somebody might actually want to use it, right? Somebody would actually carry that gun, will actually carry that gun. There will be a lot of people carrying that gun in 380 which is not a normal caliber for a lot of people to consider, but because it's a fun gun and a cool gun and they'll buy it and they'll start carrying it. Like you might as well let them show up with it. It, You know? So this kind of goes into something else that we've tried recently with a lot of success that maybe would be a solution for it. But I I don't think the argument that people, uh, people will carry it is, is enough to allow it. Um, But there's definitely something to it. So like, uh, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about that we had a ton of success with recently is how to address the coaching rule. Um, and it basically like with a lot of new shooters trying PCSL, maybe it's their first competition. Like we really needed to, to iron this out. And at the highest level match, I didn't want coaching to be allowed because then, you, you know, you get like your uh, guy who's in contention to win the match, you know, misses a target on the clock and then his buddy yells at him to come back and like get the target and it saves him, you know, the penalties. Like, I don't want that to be something that decides the match. Um, so originally we had no coaching, but the easiest solution ever, just like we tried at the end of last year and it works so well, it's just add a category. Um, it's basically like a class that's called coachable shooter. And what that means is that you're in the match and, uh, you're just not eligible for order of finish awards or trophies like, uh, or prizes. So, so like um, if I'm signing up on practice score, coachable shooter would then be a selectable thing. So I'm on practice score. I sign up and it's coachable shooter, which means someone can yell at me, Hey, you missed a target and it's okay. And yeah, someone could literally that. walk you through the whole stage. Like it's it's unlimited. It's for your experience. So you like you would work with your ROs and fellow squad mates. But, and, I, and but I can't be eligible for prize money. I can't be eligible for whatever. Right. Like, but I could I could do end up, end up being really good at this. Right. And like if I sign up as coachable shooter, and let's say like my actual problem isn't shooting, but actually, you know fucking running from target a to target b which is entirely my problem if you look at my match footage um if i'm a coachable shooter and somebody yells at me run get to the next part of the mat stage right someone yells fucking run idiot and i i start running because they're coaching me to actually work on my footwork even though my placement in the match would stand in practice score. I was a coachable shooter. I can't be eligible for any prizes on my shooting performance because someone was coaching me. Uh, it, it it wouldn't relate to what happens 
at the match. Basically, you would declare ahead of time, and then at our majors that we've run, we've given these shooters a wristband so that ROs specifically know that, like, hey, this shooter is new and wants help. Um, and so, like, it, it, if you came into it wanting to try to win uh, an order of finish plaque or or uh, cash prize or something like that, you would just not declare. So, um, yeah, that's kind of besides the point. But it's a great option for for newer shooters, like you know, kids of of shooters um, or people who it's their first competition, um, just to feel comfortable and get all the help they need. Uh, and then it can't be abused because no one who's going to win anything is going to choose it. I kind of like that. I, I do. I, I think that to me, the the true shining light of what PCSL brings to everybody and why I, I like it and I'm such a huge advocate for it is it is to focus people on getting the competitive shooting sports accessible to the regular person in a way that is fun and engaging and those who are actually serious about competing, they have an avenue that doesn't preclude them from being actually competitive. That nice balance and the fresh breath of air, if I could speak English, the fresh breath of air that that is, is what makes PCSL really cool. And the coachable shooter is a really nice touch to helping me grab my buddy that bought a P365 macro and be like, hey, you're going to the match with me. You're going to be a coachable shooter. You can't win a cash prize, say, but you can at least try. And we can yell at you. We can coach at you. We can help you get through the stage in the best way possible. And you get an opportunity to actually try to improve yourself today and help feel the actual progress you've made as a shooter. That brings a lot to the table. And I think that's actually, that's something I feel like a lot of competitive shooting is missing. Yeah, I have no idea why I haven't seen it before anywhere, dude. Like, you know, you go to your local USPSA match and like someone forgets a target and then people are like coughing loud in the background and like trying to, trying to get them to realize what's going on. And then if if you accidentally yell out, you know, they'll take you to the side and be like, you know, like, Hey, you can't really do that. Like, you'll get a procedural for telling him what to do. You know, it's like, how has no one thought about this before? Yeah. Like just let, just, just help the guy help the dude out on the match and help him finish the stage. Right. Like at the end of the day, um, like Ben Stager started shooting competitively when he was 21. And if a 20, 20 year old, one year old Ben Stager got someone yelling at him, like you missed the target idiot. And then he would go back and get the target and it would help him learn to look that for that better. And it helps people learn to be a better competitive shooter when they're starting out, because I know hey, like a release pressure, you're, you're yeah, not pressure and you're not like in contention for awards. Yeah. And inclusivity in the gun in the gun community is like a weirdly contested and debated by a lot of people. But I think when it comes to competitive shooting, it becomes this big thing of kind of like the best example I can give is like for the listener is like a fat guy showing up at a gym, right? If nobody's going to spot for the fat guy on the squat rack, he's not going to make any progress. 
Yeah, like right? that's exactly the people that you need at the match or at the gym. It's like the <laughs> the people who are there who need to get fit, that are trying to get fit. Like it's it's so much more important for them and their uh point on their path, like to be there yes. and doing the work than it is for the guy who's just gonna come to every other exactly. weekend match and never practice. Yeah, exactly. If if it's just a guy learning the game and showing up for the game and he's trying to discredit somebody who's trying to learn from the game and get better, then that's a detriment to everybody who's participating in the sport. Because by the time the guy's been shooting for six months, he's not going to go for coachable shooter. Right. Or maybe even, you know, like second or even third match. Like, yeah, yeah like it, it could be that very well. Very well. It could be that. But like, that's kind of the thing. That's the value is like, if you are in the category of coachable shooter, it's to make you the, make that guy, you the better shooter because other people want you to succeed and learn. Right. It's essentially, yeah. Just showing up to the gym and just like tapping a guy on the show and like, Hey man, I'm going to hit a bench and I'm not confident about it. Can you spot me? Right? Like that's all that is. And it's, it's a pretty straightforward thing. So th- and, this actually like it, it goes into um, when we we're talking about, you know, uh, below nine mil. So I, I just mm-hmm. thought of this as another solution because it, it was such a clean solution for this. So um, it could work too. But basically like in ACP, you could declare like as a category, like you could declare uh coachable shooter you could just declare a sub caliber and then you'd allow anyone to compete and score with everyone else but just when you when you go to award them at a major championship or if there's any order of finished prizes um the sub caliber people you know they had all the fun they had all the scores just with everyone else but they're not eligible for the uh acp trophy basically i would actually probably just leave that caliber decision to actual carry gun if that makes any sense. So like people carrying 30 super carry or people carry or people carrying 380, 380, 32, whatever decision they want to make on their carry caliber. Um, that guy can make the decision on what caliber they want to compete with and try to participate in the sport with. But when it comes to actual, like, you know, if you're going to show up and shoot practical or you're going to show up and shoot um, competition or whatever, right, in, in the one-gun division, I should say, well, if you're in practical or competition, you're probably not going to be shooting a 380. And the decision factor kind of doesn't matter. And you're probably not going to shoot a super carry, in which case that doesn't matter. And if you actually go pick up a gun in uh, hey guys, here. Hunter, hey, Hunter's Finally, here. Finally, I'm so sorry, guys. I appreciate your patience. Hey, no, you're good, dog. You're good. Might as well Everybody just re- re-record. We'll do another. No, <laughs> no, we, no, we got like we got we got like another like forty-five minutes in us. Because uh, now we can actually talk about the uh, the post shot match. I mean, I don't know if Nona was there, but we we can talk about yeah, shot match. Uh, 
everybody. Hunter Constantine is, in fact, here now. Finally, he is finished fixing up his truck or whatever the fuck he is doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I, God Silliest Goose is here. <laughs> and uh, we will continue proceeding. We were talking yes. about uh, the one gun divisions uh, with PCSL and okay. uh, trying to iron I out. I give him the rundown. The actual, yeah, the actual carry pistol division is kind of what we were talking about. So we were talking about like using sub calibers, like lower than nine millimeter, all the other options that could happen. Are people going to game that? All these kind of things. And one of like the things. Like if someone's like a 5.7 or something like that? No, like if they're going to show up and shoot like the Beretta 80X, the new like Beretta 380 thing oh. that has an optic cut. That or is they're the going to show up and shoot come up in Beretta in like the last like few years, in my opinion. I I thought that thing was dope. I really did. I mean, I'm a I'm a Beretta fanboy, but like I I did really like the 80X, and I, I do want one. Uh, but like, there's a lot of really cool things that are coming out, and there's a lot of also really viable competitor concealed carry guns in the market. In 380 these days, and the idea that I had for Max was for the one gun division, we have actual carry pistol for the concealed carry gun, um, mm-hmm. which is the ACP division. Uh, this was this was my invention. I, I gave this to Max a few months ago, um, and therefore, actual carry pistol telling somebody hey you can show up with your lcp and try and that coaxes them to realize where their deficiencies are as sure. just a venue like the, to let like them the, do it the, the bug division in idpa yes it's kind of like the bug division no no it's right? idpa has a bug division and an acp division they they call it what ccp okay. compact carry pistol and then and then also bugs. but it, it kind of mixes the two and just lets both of them kind of exist together Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it does all the things for like the subcompact super micro uh, pistols, and CCP is uh, I think they're nineteen elevens. Yeah, CCP is specifically like a custom carry gun. Like if you bought like a custom three inch Wilson Combat, don't is they, exactly. Yeah, they have that, and then they don't they have another one that's for like Glock nineteen? Like I swear they do. They have a thousand visions. Crazy. And, and I think. It, yeah, I think you can also shoot. But you're required uh, contractually to wear a or CDP is Who cares about IDPA anyways? We're here to talk about PCSL. Hey, Hunter, but, do you know what IDPA stands for? Uh, I don't practice uh, anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you, I've no, heard some pretty silly you, acronyms. C, CDP is your custom uh, defense oh, so 11, and then compact carry pistol CCP is your Glock 19 division. Yeah, yeah, and then plug is. is the other thing, but like there's all these other ones. But IDPA is. I'd, I'd also like to any. say your audio is so crispy; it's unreal. Max has got great audio. Yeah, Max's audio is next level. Uh, it's better than my last episode with my fucking AirPods. <laughs> I'm on AirPods right now. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't have guessed so, that. They sound great, honestly. Honestly, yeah, I'm impressed. So, so with let's, let's, go, let's go back to these single divisions. So, a carry, a carry division, a carry gun division. Yeah, is what so, you're proposing. Can I go? Uh, let me let me go through the, what we kind of settled on and talked about with with okay. uh, Noner, and then cool, cool, um, cool. I'm gonna step out for a sec, do a bathroom break, and then you guys can talk about it. So, okay. Um, the from the top competition same as two gun uh no change 
Um, and I think we settled on keeping it 170 millimeter because that's kind of a standard. Um, really, you only get that in like 2011s. That's what people are going to be running. That's what's focused on with comps and stuff. Um, then the original idea in the one gun was to have an iron sided division. So you'd have practical, which is basically limited optics. And then factory is what I was thinking about calling it. And factory would be like iron sights with like limited gas pedal length, like, a you know, just the factory ones that, that come on guns like the Beretta stick out a little bit and then um uh limit the round count to 17 plus one because that's kind of the standard and then if you bump up to practical you know you get to uh you get to add your base pad so it's like a plus four so practical would be 21 plus one so that kind of made sense originally but then um you get to that argument of like is a uh is a gas pedal actually practical and then how interesting is it to have a division that's like four rounds less than this other one like wouldn't it be nice to just have them the same so Ultimately, what we settled on, I think, is that it just makes sense to have two divisions called practical optics and practical irons, where they're identical except for uh, the optics. Yeah, yeah, so th we would have the same gas pedal rule for both, which is which is limit the gas pedal because it's not really a practical thing. So, like your Beretta ninety two XP takedown lever, like that's about as big as you could get. Um, right. any of the aftermarket ones that would bump you into competition vision because that really is a race part. So uh, we had that and then yeah, both of them would be 21 plus 1 instead of 140 mil because it, it kind of evens out the playing field for the wide variety of actual duty work guns and you don't have to fuck with your followers and have unreliable mags and like stuff rounds in so they don't see it and all that bullshit. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be your iron strike division is just a basically limited irons without the gas pedal and stuff, but otherwise it basically be limited and then no magwell restriction at all because of the, the size of your magwell, like <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a one reload per stage at most. And um, yeah. Yeah. And then it, it mirrors the two gun divisions like practical and competition. You just have a practical irons added. So that, that was pretty cool. And then um, actual carry pistol. Yeah, then actual carry pistol as a as a fourth new actually interesting uh fresh division. Yeah. Like I'd love to shoot like a obviously forty three X or a Glock forty three or something small like that and not exactly. have to compete That's against the... twenty eleven. That's kind yeah, of so the it... idea behind it. So Oh one one thing that that I want to hear your guys' opinion on is like is that I was we were thinking about making it like a Glock nineteen size box where maybe you could you could have a comp if it fit in the box, if you had a little bit of a shorter barrel and yeah, use that I for think, the comp. I think comps and ports are fine. I really don't give a shit about them. If you yeah, I want it to be like an open agree, carry agree, pistol agree, kind agree, of thing. Agreed, 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 yeah. So yeah. Max, continue, like, even, continue. even not to go back to IDPA, but they just allowed ports and comps in every division. What? <laughs> yeah, you can have ported guns in any division now. And comps. Do I still have to wear the fishing vest? Yeah, and you, well, so like, here's the thing: it's like you get ports, you get cops, you can draw from appendix. They increase mag capacities on some divisions. It's like it's uh, eh, you still got to wear a fishing vest, and your friends are still going to make fun of you. But it's getting better, and I'm like, how is yeah. that being more progressive <laughs> than the popular disciplines for our age group, at least? You know. So in, I mean, mind, so with the fishing vest thing, well, like it, it would be IWB. It has to be IWB or all magazines also IWB or from a pocket. 
um, but no concealed garment required. So like you tuck your shirt in, yeah. put your put your holster there. It's like I, that's how I you would, would run it. You just lift your shirt up in the real if, life. You I know? would I would actually Max. Let, let's just I, I liked your idea of just saying no concealment allowed. You have to tuck it in so there's no question. Like you're running from your same draw stroke, but there's no concealment, so there's no gaming and there's no safety concerns. Wait, what what would be the gaming for, for concealing it though? Like I would the I'm, saying, I I'm not saying there's not a gaming, but like if somebody's not tucking in and ver- someone's not tucking in versus tucking in and like, oh well they were covering like I was covering with my shirt and they weren't. Like, no. Everyone's tucking their shirt in behind the gun and we're not concealing, but we're no. using your actual carry gun. No, I, I, I kind of think, think if they want to conceal, they like you know Gabe Gabe yeah. White who like made GM I, I, shooting G thirty four from concealment. Like well, no, I I agree with you. I, I've shot G thirty fours from concealment plenty of times. It's just if we if we eliminate the actual option of concealing and just say, hey, it's your actual carry gun. It's the way you would carry it concealed, but we're not going to cut put a cover garment over it, so there's no risk of snagging out of clothing. The actual amount of clubs that will say yes, we're willing to go uh, go ahead with this match because we'll allow this division. They're going to be fine with it because you'll you'll okay. Yeah, so from pure liability perspective, like getting more clubs to adopt it, I understand exactly. that exactly. And like and uh, and personally, like if you if you we can practice our own concealment draws. But it, at that point, like it's it's a minor difference, and I would rather I would rather be able to force the hand of boomer clubs to let people run the match from appendix if there is no cover garment than to not allow people to shoot their carry guns at a match, and that that trade off is worth it to me to just be able to force their hand and say like. They're not going to snag their trigger on a T-shirt, and we're not going to have an issue like that. That would be that would be my one. How my one how prevalent is that though for those clubs to say no? Because like if they're already using, if they already shoot IDPA at that club, then people are already drawing from concealment garments. Yeah, that's that's a stupid would, fishing vest though. That's like kind of different than a real shirt. I don't I, know. Hunter, to push back on yeah. you on this a little bit. Uh, I'm going to step out for a second. From, you guys can talk about this in the, yeah, we'll, the we'll subcaliber. Talk we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in the subcaliber thing. So to push back on you, this is a little bit, Hunter. Like, um, I showed up at a match in last February, and it was a concealment-oriented match, and I showed up with an appendix carry holster, and because I didn't know if it was going to be appended, like allowed for concealment or for open carry, uh, I showed up with a battle belt and I showed up with an appendix carry holster. Um, and I've said this on the podcast for the previous listeners, but since you're here, this is new for you. Um, I showed up with a concealment holster for appendix carry and a battle belt. And it was a concealment focused match. And they said, well, uh, we don't allow appendix carry because of safety issues. And you have a battle belt with a holster, and therefore that doesn't qualify. And I had to borrow shit to finish the match. And it was not a good fit, right? It was a big, big problem to finish the match because they were concerned about concealed carry from appendix. But if you told them, like, 
hey, you have to have the gun exposed if you're carrying from appendix, and therefore there's no snag issue, and it's just a matter of get gun up, then we eliminate the boomer concern of people possibly shooting themselves and all this kind of thing. In the penis. Yeah. My, 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 my point to it is always like, how many clubs is this a concern of? In a lot you know, of major, in a lot of major cities, it's probably a real concern. I mean, shit, you're in Arizona. You've dealt with the peanut pistol club, now, right? That's my home local range. We fought it and we won. We presented evidence and, and explained to them and why how appendix. Hard was it, and how hard was it to fight them? And how much easier would it have been to be like, this isn't even a problem because we're not going to run into a snag issue on clubbing? I just, I, I feel like it's just getting away from the whole point of having the concealed carry division then. Regardless of shooting your gun, I'm like, that's an essential part of your concealed carry is your draw and clearing I, your garment. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Maybe it yeah, would be then like I a, a, it, debata- the other point a debatable is like, point of like... Want- the- do, would you, would, Sorry, would it be I don't then mean be to like talk practic- over you. No, 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 you're good, dog. You're good. Um... Would it be a fair compromise then to say if the venue requires, then you can shoot from an exposed gun? Yes. Or, yeah, or it's like, uh, like the, it's stated as, like, is visible, uh, or yeah, it can be killed unless uh, club rules supersede and say, gun needs to be present or something. But what I was going to say is, like, do we even want to be shooting at those clubs that don't allow it? Are they cool? Are they part of the cool kids folks? I don't think so. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm no, kidding. No, here's the thing. But, I, I, agree. I agree with you, but, like, I went to a local match where I'm absolutely certain, certain like, the area that I live in, I'm absolutely certain you know people who were going to go to that match who, when they were told they couldn't shoot from appendix, they all walked the fuck out. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of one of those things of, like, it, like if you can present a rule set, like, we can minimize a risk, and we can allow the club to minimize a risk for insurance liability because they think there's some fucking issue that really isn't because people have been appendix carrying for 20 years at this point. Um, if we can minimize that risk enough to not have a problem, then let's just fucking minimize our risk and, and move on, you know? Uh, th- this yeah, has been like printed into the rule book since the beginning where like the per club thing, Hunter, I think you mentioned yeah. like yeah. I, I have something written in or like it's, it's on the website, but like the, the rule set is completely open for anyone to change to suit their customer base. So like if, if the club exactly. is not comfortable with that, then they can, they can limit it. But I think, uh, I think allowing it in the in the overall overarching rule set is is pretty good. Because like it was, was with the uh, smash I went to, like I asked about slings, and they said we're not slinging rifles, right? Even though the PCSL rules allow you to sling a rifle, you didn't want them to allow a, a rifle to slung. Yeah. Well, like even at my local yeah. matches in Phoenix, it's like we just. We designed the stages around the club rules where, like, if they didn't want us hot holstering or they didn't want us slinging a rifle, and we just designed the stages around that. Exactly, right? And so, like, 
But the idea, I guess, with like the sub caliber and with the concealment thing, right? Um, like um, using sub caliber guns for the actual carry pistol, I I think should be completely fair and valid. But if you're going to show up with like a 380 size of a 2011, like I'm sorry, that that probably doesn't fit. Yeah. I think I think magazine capacity limits, size limits, and then like uh, that sub minor caliber, you know. So, uh, what what were the? I mean, is it nine mil and below? Because like someone could have an LC nine or like a forty three or something like that, you know. It'd be below nine mil, but wouldn't you get everyone winning shooting just like you know a, a custom twenty eleven that's Glock nineteen size in that caliber, like that? Or even even just the gun in that caliber, like because it's so much less recoil. Kind of. I mean, yeah, but like for me, like I'm like I don't want to deal with another caliber. I buy it most part because I don't want to deal with it. So like I don't want to deal with another. Like I'm not gonna build a, a hot rod 38 or 380 ACP just to win PCSL single gun division. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll progress to that. But, but I that's think- why I want to allow it without without allowing it to win the trophy. Like exactly like coachable shooter was the idea I had. Like you basically declare sub caliber and you compete with everyone else, scored with everyone else, but you're removed from the awards. Well, I, yeah. I, I think that the coachable shooter thing is really good. And I, I kind of would like to hear Hunter's thoughts on that. Cause that was, it's a beautiful idea is that you, if you put in as like, I'm a coachable shooter, like you, you are eligible for any prizes. Right, but people can basically yell you through a stage if it works so that you can get actually some help uh, to get you right. set up for your get, getting your feet wet, so to speak. And then when you get your feet wet, like, OK, like now I feel good. Then then we drop you on your own, bud. And then you're not getting any help. And now we have to figure out how you have to figure out how you're going to fix your own shit. Because I'm not doing it. I think it's absolutely great that that is an option for shooters. And I I wish that was something around like when I first started shooting because like I didn't know better. I wish there was people telling me and like, yeah, some local clubs, you know, people will just yell at you when you're like that bad. But that you're welcoming it and encouraging people to help other people, it's awesome. I think it was the carbine match in March last year. Or maybe the maybe the PCSL shop. I think, it, I think it was PCC this year later in the year. I don't think we had it all the way back then. We were still trying to figure it out. But you still, it was like an, uh, it was an unwritten. Like if it's a new shooter, oh, yeah, like right, help them right, out. Yeah. But it's too skilled, like you can't help. Because I remember, I remember on one stage, I, I didn't walk like two stages, and I shot up because I'm just, I don't, I'm just being distracted, a big old silly goose. So I was like, I don't need to walk it. It's fine. I'll figure it out. And I remember blowing past targets and Justine saying nothing to me, and I just. <laughs> And I just, I just ate it all. Okay. And then there was a new shooter. It was his first match ever, not just PCSL, but ever. And he blew past the same targets and everybody on the squad was like, come back, come back. You forgot targets. And like, he went and got them. But prime example, cause like I, I could be in contention for winning the division. So like, I don't get coaching, but the guy who's his first match, like, he was so thankful that we said something and he didn't miss those targets because he's just happy to finish. He's happy to survive and he's happy to be there or she. And so 
giving them the opportunity and welcoming that, I think is huge to build a league that is welcoming for new shooters and actually for the shooters, which is why you started this in the first place. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think that's entirely like the, the point of it. Like it's, there's so much when it comes to uh, competitive shooting that is intimidating for a lot of people that PCSL can't address and why I want to see so much success in this uh, sector of competitive shooting, so to speak, is I can actually drag a buddy and be a, a guy that has one carry handgun and they want to just learn how to be better. Or I can drag a buddy who's a cop who just wants to show up with his duty belt and try to figure out how to run his duty guns and be a better shooter so that he can do his job better. Or a guy who's serious about competing and wants to try to get the best score. There's a venue for everybody to show up, have fun, compete, shoot the shit with the boys, and actually enjoy it. And that's what CSL can bring to the table. And I feel like USPSA can't quite bring it. Three Gun can't quite bring it. And PCSL has the opportunity to do that. And yeah. that's why I'm excited about it. Is And it's easy because everybody has a pistol, everybody has a carbine. Like, I don't really want to learn how to shoot a box-fed shotgun or a tube shotgun. Just doesn't interest me. The only thing I like shooting shotguns for is shooting at ducks. That's all yeah. I like shooting shotguns for. Is I like hunting. And skin blockers. No, I like using the hollow sun thermal sights within 65 meters. With a shotgun. 68. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, 68. Within 69 meters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was probably the best meme I've ever made, I'm going to be honest. That was pretty solid. I, uh, I, I, I had a fun with that one. Harambe, hello. I forgot that? which episode that, that was from. Which SpongeBob episode? <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, the uh, kind of go uh, throws throw in my two cents. I don't shoot competition because I don't have time right now. Um, I can see the the two gun being a lot more appealing, um, but I don't I don't see completely eliminating shotguns being like. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that still do shotgun. Like there's a lot of people that would prefer two gun, like a, a wild card two gun, where it's pistol shotgun instead of pistol carbine. Yeah, and oh, yeah that's in the rules. Anyone shooter. anyone can use PCSL yeah. to run a match like that if they want. Like there's three gun rules in there. Like what whatever you want. Like the target is is pretty great for any kind of match you want to run. It is actually one. Mm-hmm. I I would think a, a a better, more accurate and more fun target for competitive shooting and i will entirely agree with the idea that shotguns are worth no fucking thing save for shooting at a duck flying above a river and shooting at somebody in in front of my front door what about uh uh, government drones okay we got ak's work well for those two (laughs) yeah that's the only reason i have a kl12 elite just do 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 do. That's it. I mean, okay, we got three uses, and that's about all it is. Okay, but the average the average shooter has a pistol and a carbine. 
But if I shoot the wrong drone, I don't get my Amazon delivery. God damn it, Hunter. Amazon's not bringing you primers, so it's fine. Shotguns are also great for uh, sad musicians. Yeah. <laughs> and deer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, either way, though, it's a welcoming thing. To get back to the coachable no, shooters, I, it's, it, I think it is, it's one of the best elements of this shooting league and shooting discipline because it's just not found anywhere else. Like you have to find like a chill squad at a chill local match to recreate the same type of coaching or like at two gun PCC nationals. um, What's her tag? I think her name's Ashlyn or Ashley. It's like shooting Blondie or something. She's like 16 years old and she was shooting on our squad, but we were helping her stage plan and just working through stuff as like not on the clock, but, just helping out, you know, and like, there's many times you your walk through, right? Yeah. yeah, Beforehand. Cause it's like nationals and like, they'll get pissed, but like she's still learning and she was shredding dude for like 16 year old, just killing it. And so we wanted like, to help. And I remember her magazine, the, the Williams girls, Justine and whatever her sister's name is. Yeah. Jaleese? They're like the all time. Yeah. Jaleese and Justine, they're like the goats of junior shooters, basically in my opinion, cause they're just, so ingrained into it, but also a big, um, big shout out to uh Trent Eichler. I, I met him when yep. I was at NRAM, and Trent is a super nice kid. I really enjoyed talking to that guy, yeah. so big shouts out to him. Um, but yeah, like you know, like you get a newer competitive shooter, and they're like, Hey, like, let's like, yep. they're or, trying to ask you a question and you want to help them out with like your stage planning or you get like a new guy even if he's in his 30s and he's like I don't know how to plan the stage like, and say try this try this try this and they will pick it up that's okay but if you can do a coachable shooter then now you give them a huge opportunity to learn yes and so like at my last uh, local USPSA that I shot we allow coaching at our level ones because like we're all shooters for the shooters. Right. And so I was on a squad with five or like four or five brand new shooters. Okay. They don't know the, the make ready commands. They don't know how to make everything together. And so like I was on timer most of the time and I was helping them throughout the stages where it's like, you have another position to your left or something, whatever it is. You're like reload now. Cause like they were, they're about to run into a target with like two rounds in their gun. Cause I'm counting how much they're shooting, you know? And, uh, they're like, that was the most enjoyable experience I've had, uh, in a competitive setting where like, they might've shot, like, I think one of them shot a steel challenge before. Um, and then there's a couple like outlaw matches that we have locally that they shot, but not like a formal one where we have classifiers. They just got their USPSA memberships and obviously like not helping them on the classifiers just because, got out on that it's bad but for like the big field courses like big 32 round lots of movement multiple positions uh like we're there to help them so it's inviting so they come back and shoot more and they actually want to be part of the shooting sports and these are like i would classify them in the tactical timmy category um and so making that transition can be hard sometimes when you have some old dude screaming in your ear about something or just letting you make your own mistakes on the stage and like i'm sure all of us probably learned the hard way while shooting and coming up in the sport of like oh like yeah i forgot those targets or i missed that or i forgot a reload or i didn't activate the target or something you know 
And oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it sucks. It's discouraging unless like you really like shooting. Like I remember there's multiple times when I first started out where I went home and I was like, I didn't have fun today. I just got yelled at all day long. And I want to make it my mission so new shooters didn't have to experience that. Oh yeah, I think that's the advantage that like PCSL can kind of change the culture is to be, to be a little more inviting. And I, I hate to say it like this, but I'm going to say it like this. I feel like the less of USPSA traditional people that bite in, the better. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are recording, so yeah, we're talking about Stop. PCSL, my guy. Talk about what? PCSL. We got Hunter and uh, Max. So, yeah. Say hi. Who, okay, I really don't you know guys? how to use Discord. Who just joined? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> M60 Grit. Cool. Okay. Well, welcome, welcome back, M60. So, and we're talking about shooting sports and all that stuff, and like welcoming new shooters and all that kind of shit. And so, the thing that I think becomes kind of nice with PCSL is we get the opportunity to kind of set the slate clean. And for that, there's a lot of good opportunity with that. And I kind of like, I kind of like the advantage that comes with that is. You can take a new shooter and be like, you can coach him through. You can kind of talk to him, but then if you've got a couple moments and you know, or you got a couple matches under your under your belt, I should say is a better way of saying that. You you can uh, you can figure shit out, and nobody's going to coach you. And now you got to solve your own shit, and that's that's a good thing. I think that's a, a good thing in general, and. The marksmanship is challenging enough that you actually have to be good to master it, but it's it's not so hard that if you're like a half decent shooter, you couldn't complete it. Hunter, where are you at? Uh, hard as hell. I no, I wasn't. I had another obligation. I wanted to go so bad though. So, um, did you follow the format that we use for squads, like the scheduling format? I didn't. So this is something that I want to uh, like. I think it really helps with the inclusivity too, and especially for newer shooters. Um, And it may help with uh, with like reset etiquette and that kind of thing. It make it easier for for people to get into. But because we had a little bit of a staff shortage at Hard as Hell, we actually had to combine um, combine stages into one half of the range and then rotate ROs to the other half as the match okay. was was halfway complete. So uh, we, because hard as hell, you need a ton of ROs per stage, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So we barely had enough for like two or three per stage, and that wouldn't have worked. So we basically combined, and we had like four or five ROs per stage. I uh, did half the match at a time. And what that ended up doing was um, we were going to do an on-off schedule anyway, but instead of, uh, of on-off where you just show up for your on on period and then you can screw around and get your equipment sorted for your off. We just combined everyone into big groups and the off squad reset for the on squad. So uh, that's um, clever. it was, I'm not sure if, if this has been done other places, but it like 
a one gun match like USPSA doesn't really necessitate this because the stages are simpler. There's not as much equipment to get ready. The reset simpler. Um, but in a two gun and three gun and and uh, that kind of format where the, the stages are bigger, I think this is going to become standard as we go forward because it just works so, so well. And the feedback we got was great on it. So um, like, do you guys kind of uh, get the the gist, I guess? I, I can explain like logistically how to run it. No, I mean, it, it, it will allow people to run larger matches with a smaller amount of staff, which I think is primo because every time I go to majors, the number one complaint I hear from uh, match directors or um, the range coordinator is like, oh, we need more staff. We need more staff. We need more staff. Yeah, so it's it, it worked out that way for us here, but also if if you have enough staff, like yeah, you're right, you don't need you don't need like three or four ROs per stage because if you have a ton of dedicated resetters who aren't <laughs> screwing around, like you can get away with two, and then uh, at the same time, um, you can increase your match capacity because this actually reduces the amount of stage briefs that you have to give over the event by half, so. Uh, you gain a lot of time there and then you kind of consolidate walkthroughs. So um, like a, I have a write up on this. Maybe if there's like show notes or something, um, I can send you this Google Doc I wrote up. But basically how how it oh, works. When we, when we posted the uh, the episode, we'll post on our uh, podcast page and we can post whatever you want to post in like, uh, like notes or whatever document on a screenshot. We can post exactly what you want to post. So Send it to us. Okay, we'll so make sure that people can be able to see it so that we can actually read through it and all that kind of stuff. So the, we're going to use this. Um, I spoke to uh, Tanfo Timmy about this. We're yeah. doing a two gun in forest at the Forest Lake Range in Minnesota um, first weekend of August. So I, I think that's one or two weekends after USPSA Multigun Nationals at the same range um, that AMAX is running. But uh yeah, he wanted to start one up in that area. So it's going to be uh, kind of like a mini major. It's going to be like a one and a half, almost almost two day format with only seven stages. Um, but they'll be like full size stages. So this is going to be happening. Um, I don't know what weekend it is. August uh, 4th and 5th, maybe next year. Let me just take a look at it. For 2023, right? August 2023, yeah, 2023 5th and 6th. August 5th and 6th. 5th and 6th. Okay, so, so everyone, put that in your calendars. If you are in Minnesota, we'll we'll try to get everybody out there who is nearby, so we can get some some listeners and such out to actually go participate. Because if you haven't shot PCSL, you need to. It's a hell of a lot of fun. So get up there and do it. Uh, Max, continue as you were. Yeah, I don't know how involved I'll be in this match. I might, I might volunteer to RM it. Um, but uh, if the if the club is comfortable, I'd love for them to run it themselves and just uh, like I'd be available for uh, support if they need. Um, but I I will be there for sure and and help set up and shoot it myself. So, um, but yeah, the the other day I talked to Tanfo Timmy about this and just gave him this idea and he, he's he's psyched about it. He wants to run this format. But basically, how it works is um you have like you have two flights of squads or series, I guess you can call them series one and series two. And, uh, you can group them into, uh, groups of two squads 
right? So your squads individually are small. They like eight is probably a good size. And then you group them into two squads. So it's 16 shooters total in a group. And basically the schedule is based around the group, not the squads. So your group of 16 travels to each stage together. Um, they're just divided into two squads of eight within that group. So uh, on day one, the series one squad, that group of eight will shoot first, while the second group of eight only resets. And then after those eight shooters in, in squad one are done, they swap uh, and then squad one resets for, for the series two squad. So um, when you're resetting, you never have to cycle out to get your shit ready as an on-deck shooter. So like the squad quickly, quickly finds a rhythm where, you know, one guy is going to take like this set of three paper. One guy is going to take this set of poppers and paint them. And, and uh, everyone does the exact I same thing every time. Love this. I it, love it, this. Dude, it works exactly like you'd think it would at hardest and hard as hell is like not the easiest match to reset. And with, this kind of thing, like people are just on top of it. So as soon as everyone was back to the starting line, okay. your on-deck shooter's ready to go because he hasn't been resetting. He, like none of the shooters on that squad have I, even been thinking about reset. What what this reminds me of, so I was talking to my one of my buddies about this, um, and he got to uh, doing a little bit of like the rally car, like sprint things in his, you know, fun fast car that he has and so he would kind of like go run a little course on all this kind of stuff and the thing they know about round car is like you've got people volunteering their day to go help with it but like when you're volunteering your day to go help with it like you know you're gonna get a couple days or you're gonna get a couple runs and everyone's gonna run the same course the same amount of times and you don't have this kind of thing where in the back of your head you're like, man, like, okay, I just got done shooting and now I have to start pasting all this kind of shit, right? I have to, like, as soon as I'm done, I have to help the guys score it, patch everything up and paste everything up and then, like, paint the targets and then then we're done and then the next guy shoots all kind of shit, right? And rather, you can have squad one and squad two, right? And so squad one and squad two Hunter, can you mm. mute your mic for a sec? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. sorry. Background noise. Mute yourself a scotch there, my dog. But um, <laughs> you, you can kind of divide yourselves up and be like, okay, like we're going to like crew one does reset for crew two. And then we flip and crew one shoots and crew two resets, right? And you get this kind yeah. of nice trade off where everybody you dedicate enough time to the day that everybody shoots, but you, you aren't forcing people to spend half a day and most of it's resetting. Whereas you can spend half a day focusing on resetting for other people and then half a day focusing on your own match and how you're going to do it. Right. So it's pretty much it, building familiar, so nice. familiarity with the course. Exactly. Like everybody gets the opportunity to reset for somebody else, and everybody also gets the opportunity to shoot and have everybody else re reset for them. But we're not right. having to constantly trade hands between who's shooting and who's resetting. Yep. Because there's there's multiple times at matches too where it's like 
if they're not well versed and like I have to run the pad or the um or the clock and I shoot or like local matches I'll shoot I'll shoot PCC and carry optics. So I'm thinking about getting both guns ready, both mags ready, and there's nobody to run the clock or pad. So then I am frantically jamming mags to get ready for the next for my next time up or the next stage. And that alleviates a lot of that stress or that that rushing feeling that we might experience on a smaller squad um match or if if you do happen to shoot uh two divisions uh if it's like a single gun match or something like that and i think that's huge because you get to you get to just focus your energy and your brain power on the task at hand which is that stage rather than oh they're like hey you're up to shooter. You're on deck, and I'm like, oh man, like my mags aren't even loaded. Like I need to or, go do that right now. Exactly. Or like the when I shot uh, the PCSL uh, match, those PCC and pistol uh, last year um, that Max was at. I when I was there, like it was my first match in like freaking six months, eight months, or whatever the hell it was, and I kind of like was a little bit like not the best on running the timer at like 8 a.m. in the morning. And I wasn't doing a great job of actually running the timer for people. Right. But if you can actually kind of distinguish in your squad, you know, like, okay, like we did designate half of the people to run the timer and we designate half the people to actually shoot. And then we rotate. You can say, okay, like if you're not the guy, if you're not feeling it, We'll move you to the time. Like you're not able to run the timer right now because you're not warmed up and you're not used to shooting matches. Okay, you're shooting and you're not running the timer. And then now, after you're kind of used to it and your your blood's kind of pumping and you know how this thing goes, then then you can run the timer and you're not going to be a problem. Now did I, did I catch you missing? I I think I caught you missing a PCC timer right? because I like I was like across the range oh, and like no, saw did, the guy I finish. I was not next to the ejection port on a PCC. Yeah. Like I, I was bad at this. I, like, I came over. I was like, check that time, dude. I don't know if that picked. Up. No, I was not. I was not gonna know. I was not gonna know. Uh, I, I will. Admit, that was like my first match in like eight months. Like I, I was not doing good. Oh no! Um, everyone does. That. It's 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 hard to pick up. It's, PCCs it's entirely natural, annoying. right? And that's the thing is like if, if you're not shooting the matches all the time, like you can fuck yourself up, and you can maybe even at that point, like get yourself the opportunity to be like, okay, the guys that know how to have been shooting matches after, you know, like weekend run the first side of the squad to go set up these things. And then you get the guys that are a little bit rusty to run the second side of things. So I I didn't even think about it as a local match format, but like it it would work super well also without staff. Even better. you could get the local guys to be like, Hey man, like I, I'm kind of like, this is my first match in a few months. Like I'm not really warmed up to it. Like you can get guys to be like, Hey, like I'm, I, it's been my, this is my first match in a few months. I have no idea what I, I'm, I'm kind of rusty. I'll help out what I can. But like, if I'm not good at running the timer, if I'm not able to keep up with it, but like by the end of the day at that match, right, I was able to keep up with everybody. I was helping to run timers, do all the things I needed to do. That is completely yeah. fine at the end of the day. And I was able to run the timer perfectly well at the end of the day, especially like when, when Matt won like third, right. You know, that was a really cool thing that like, I was able to do just fine running the timer for him for that time. 
But the first time he was on the time, like when I was running the time reform, I was absolutely shit because like, I just, it was a long time since I ran a match. That fair trade-off is completely valid to say like, Hey, if it's your first match in a while, like you're just going to start pacing. Somebody else is going to run a timer. You're going to get warmed up. Right. And then we're going to start easing people into it so that you don't have issues on the timer or the pasting or whatever. And we can, we can keep people being fair. We don't have to run reshoots or stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it does reduce reshoots a lot. So l- let me go through like for an MD who uh, like who might want to try running it like this or explain it mm-hmm. to their local club, like the the process for setting this up like logistically. So um, hey guys, uh, yeah, I run. I, I'll talk to you later. Okay, later M6. I love you. Later guys. Love you too. Bye. Bye. So, so I really think there's no downside to this. Like I, I don't think there's anywhere where time uh gets wasted over a regular format it's like it's only reduced and the work is only reduced and everyone's just more efficient like they have to be exactly the um the way to do it in the in the squatting like on practice squad in the tablet is the the best way to do it is uh like say you're running a major match you have staff squads and you have main match squads so staff is just going to shoot normally um but in main match start your main match squads at 11 and then your uh like your series one squads at 11, your series two at, at 21. So you match up 11 and 21. That way you, you have 11 and 21, you know, 12 and 22, et cetera. And you know, who's series one and who's series two. Um, if you have more than 10 stages, then start make staff like a 40 number and then start at one. And then series two is 21. So you have one and 21, two and 22, et cetera. Then when you get to 11, you can just match that with 31. Um, so that's how how to do the squad numbering, and then uh, on your schedule, you um, you can either write like eleven and twenty one at the same time block on the stage, or you can just be clear that eleven and twenty one form group one, and then you just schedule your groups on the stages. And you have to make sure that everyone is on the stage at the same time. Like, there's no one can screw off because then it doesn't work. Like, it's not respectful to the other team. So. Uh, mm-hmm. so like group one shows up at stage one at your start time on day one. And on the first day you'll have series one, go first series two reset and then swap. So you do one stage brief as an RO team for all say it's 16 shooters, like two squads of eight in group one. Um, so you'll get one stage brief and you, I guess you could, uh, do the activators at, for all 16 people at once or, or do a little reset and then, um, in between squad one and two or one in uh, one in 21 or whatever, but give squad one their own walkthrough of five minutes where there's only eight of them on the stage so that there's not all this traffic uh, with this huge group of shooters. And they like the, the series two guys, they can just watch and they have all these eight shooters to watch to understand how the stage works. But you give squad one, five minutes and squad, uh, squad two or squad 21 you know three minutes after they're done so rather than saying squad one and squad 21 like maybe squad one and squad one a yeah that'd be a really i i really just need to to say 11 and 21 but yeah like like whatever's in the tablet like 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 whatever a and b like i mean obviously one a one b that would be the best 
Because, like, yeah. yeah, obviously you have to kind of go with that for, like, the sake of a tablet and all that kind of stuff. But, like, for the sake of conversation, rather than be, like, 1 and 21, I think one, like, squad one has an A and a B shooting team, right? And A shoots first, B resets, and then everyone's done, and they flip, and B shoots and A resets for them. And so then the most experienced on squad, on section B for squad one, runs the timer and then squat uh, section a shoots and then b runs the timer for them then you flip yeah you have a tablet guy and you have six dedicated resetters for the entire yeah, then, group yeah. it goes so quick thing, yeah because the thing is like when my when my buddy was talking about this with uh specifically with rally car the thing that he was saying is like they have one course but like everybody spends a whole day but you kind of spend the day and you know you're gonna go drive and do your thing and have fun driving your car and you dedicate your day but you know you're gonna do things and you're not spending the entire day like for a minute right shooting a course and then pasting up everybody else's shit and then that's like it's a lot better to say like, Hey, we got squad, like we, for squad one, we have a shooters and B shooters, a shooters run first, B shooters run second. The B shooters will post for post uh, or pace for a, a shooters on the flip will post for their for pace, the targets for B. And we, everybody kind of takes the moment to let everyone take a half a day to really focus on their shooting and have fun with it and not, worry about like i have to in the middle of like everybody else is pasting all these goddamn targets i have to sit there with a fucking speed loader and just start jamming bullets into a mag because i need to go shoot because i'm on deck that's not exactly a fair way to do it whereas you could just take half that squad and tell them you guys are posting or pasting i should say you guys are pasting and you guys are shooting. And then we flip, we handle it that way. And we get the ability to actually take half a day to focus on having fun shooting. And the other half of the day is dedicating to help other people. Shoot and it, it is and an advantage fun. to go second, like on, on the B squad, cause you get to see everyone shoot first. So probably in a one day local match format, you'd want to either alternate uh, who goes first, A or B, or like halfway through the day, just flip and then B starts going first. Or in a multi-day major match, uh, like day one, A goes first, day two, B goes first. Um, or so. or you could just lottery it, honestly, and just say like, you're going to, you signed up for this and we're going to put a random gen- number generator, whether or not you're A or B squad for this stage. Right? Yeah, you could do that. Like, like you could just say, like, way, okay. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's just far easier just to say, like, halfway through the day you switch or a different day B starts oh, instead I, of A I, rather I, than. I, I don't know. I agree with you. I'm just saying, we, like, it could also idea. be something that we leave up to the the club itself who's running the match as to how they want to do it, depending on the size of the match, depending on the size of the squads. Cause, like, if it's, if it's like five, six, if it's like five, eight person squads on like a six stage match, like that might not be required. So the, I, the benefits I get that, but here, like it, it's 
It, I, I would kind of argue that the idea it like just to be able to focus on like if you have the opportunity to spend a half a day focused on it and you don't know what you, what side of the coin you're going to land on when you show up to the match, even at a major match, that's kind of okay. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if it's fair, but I wonder if it's okay to say we've considered fair and decided to ignore it and just let it fall to chance. It'd be funny if you got this, like you got the fifty-fifty roll, you know, in one direction the entire match. <laughs> yeah, happen eventually. But like, statistically I mean, speaking, there's, it's bound there's to happen. A lot to play with on that. There's a lot to play with in that category of just being able to let somebody just land on the opportunity or you can figure out whatever way you want to do this but like just the idea that it's not it's not i shoot a stage after like all the jitters and the nerves of like i'm going to show up and shoot this match and we're going to see how i do and blah 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 and then it rotates to the next like the the uh you were first at this stage so therefore now you're going to be last year on the next stage right like that's so predictable yeah, that all works the same yeah, that all works the same, but it doesn't actually help the people who are going to go shoot the stage to focus on the stage and do a walkthrough. Because if you have a stage of six people, or you have a squad of six people, and you have A group and B group, and A group shoots, and then B group resets, and then you flip and B group resets, or B group shoots and A group resets, I should say that that's how that would work um you get a, a better answer for that problem because now i have a better flow and the person who's going to show up and shoot that b group w- is now able to focus on them shooting and you could even just like put an experience level right if like how many Less matches experienced you shooters shoot? in, like, in B group? How many matches did you shoot this year? Right. If, if that's a questionnaire on practice score, right? If you could put that questionnaire on practice score, which I understand there's a lot of things to be able to actually ask practice score to do things for you and all those kind of things. But like if PCSL can grow the way that everyone here hopes PCSL can grow, that questionnaire can become a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let's theoretically. I, I don't even know that. Like I think it works super. Like you're you're kind of nitpicking and making it like ultra optimized even, but it just I would like uh, to. It works super I, well. It, it, I would like to ask regardless. For I, more. Was- I would like to ask for more than I can get because if I can get like sixty percent of the things I'm asking for, then we're going to be good, right? Uh, uh, Chris Tilly to do it. So th- there's another two matches that we have scheduled right now. Um, mm-hmm. oh, the one in the one in Dallas, I think it's good. It, they were planning on another one at the end of April, but I think they're postponing that to get a little more prep for it. But that won't be another PCC one, PCC handgun when they announce it. Um, first weekend of November at Chris Tilly's range in North Carolina. Um, I think we settled on a name that I suggested to him, which is going to be the PCSL T2G, which is uh, called the Tilly Two Gun. Um, so that might be an annual match. We'll see. But that's first weekend in November. Um, at the Go Shoot Outdoors range, and then um, that one's going to be similar, like a two-day two-gun match. And then mm-hmm. there's going to be a one-gun PCSL one-gun championship 
in which is the first like one gun major that's going to be at 17 south gun club this is sponsored by ruger um and it's at a a range that does major matches all the time 17 south in near savannah georgia um i forget the city but it's it's near savannah so we um, will be able to i'll be able to make sure i can get people to go shoot that and that was first weekend of may the one gun Give me the dates on that one. I know people in that part of the country. I will tell them to go. So we'll, we'll, I'll make sure that I, I can get some folks out there to go shoot it. Um, and I will go to anything near me, as you already know. So I'm, I'm able to go to them. But uh, I think the idea of just like letting people... Letting people take a half a day to enjoy the shooting side, and let take let them take a half a day to in, to dedicate to helping other people enjoy the shooting side, is better than the trade off of okay, you're on deck, so start jamming mags full of ammo because you're up, like. Yeah, you get the guys fucking off and they're, like, they're not helping. Then the on-deck guy feels like he has to do something. And like it just happens all the time. There's no set Exactly. Like, and like, that, that kind of trade-off um, in, in the match structure is, is probably welcome because even if you divide it up and like, okay, the first half of the match, we're dividing up in this, whatever. But like, you know, we got a seven or like an eight-stage match. And the first four stages are going to be squads one through four in a and then squads one through four in b and then the second part of the match is the squads of five through eight a squads five through eight and b and people can delineate and take a couple hours to focus on being good being focused being ready to go they don't have to like break focus and then the other part of that is not focused it's on service to the other people being a good steward to the shooting sports and then you flip the dynamic on its head for the second time and everybody goes and shoots the second part of the match that's a better dynamic because it's one thing to go shoot a part of the match for gonna name him Matt Jua he he was fantastic um he did a really good job at that match like I'm you running the timer for this guy and you're kind of like okay it's my second match for the year and this is his like 50th for the year you know that's a different thing and it'd be better for me to focus on pasting up his targets and getting reacclimated back to this or getting more comfortably set in understanding how the match is supposed to be run. And then, okay, now it's my turn. I've got four stages I need to go shoot. And I'm going to dedicate myself to these four stages. It's easier to mentally compartmentalize those four stages when they're all back to back and I know I'm on shooting deck versus service deck, you know, like that, that actually could be the big flip. I think is 
Yeah, it's a game changer as, as far as uh, like forcing new shoot. Like Hunter, we experienced this at at the two gun match, right? Like there was there were a lot of newer shooters there. Um, you weren't on uh, George Dillon's squad, so you couldn't keep the jabronis in check. Um, but huh. there were like tons of delays uh, due to people just you know yeah not being on top of reset and us not having even one dedicated RO. Which we honestly like if we run a staggered reset format next year. We might not need staff, but I'm thinking about next year for shot match, just getting one RO per stage, um, small amount mm-hmm. of volunteers, like put them up for, for a day or two. That'd make a huge difference. And there's definitely a budget for that with the participation. But like it, it just forces it, it doesn't even like they don't even need to be forced. It's just when you're new, it's too hard to think about shooting and resetting at once and learning everything. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's a lot standardizing this just fixes that problem. I, mm-hmm. I think it's the best fix you can have on uh, beyond the the uh, beyond the even like categorical like division thing. Yeah, I, I you could take USPSA divisions, and if you if you made a shoot like a shoot side and a reset side for a particular squad and rotate. And you could delineate between experienced and new shooter and the new shooters or the casual, like casual and competitive. Like you make the competitive guys go first and the casual guys go second because the the casual guys will be completely uh, okay with resetting for the the serious guys. And the serious guys will not. I think at a local level, that'll work super well. Like you, you just I, say. I think it would work every every level. Honestly, I, dude, I, like, I wouldn't do it at a major though. I like the. Uh, well, if you I, go to a major, you you want to pay you want to pay those ROs. You want to pay those guys. You want to have like a serious thing. I get that. Like I wouldn't but, require the casual more or like lower class shooters to go second. Like just because it's a, like, I don't know. The the main benefit would be theoretically it increases match flow because they get a chance to see the stage shot. It's like. If you're going to a major match and and you have dedicated staff, I think you just whoever whoever's on whatever group just just run it. But at a local uh, yeah, match, I, I could totally I, see I, like I newer shooters in series I, two. I would agree with that. But like I, the thing is, I would rather you focus on the local level being the best it can be than focus on the national level because I like where you want to go with the national level. Especially, especially considering the um, the way you've wanted to consider the quote unquote GM status for PCSL, those kind of national level titles and things that people would earn. Like, I agree with the direction you want to go with it, but for the actual functional local match setting, to be able to just grab a guy and be like. Okay, like this is your third match of the year. Okay, you're on B group for your squad. You're going to reset. You're going to pay attention to how they run the timer so that you're aware of how it goes. So if we hand you the timer, then you can handle the timer on the B group and you're good. And the A group can focus on shooting and enjoying their side of it. And when it comes down to now flipping to the B side, 
the B side is able to focus on their enjoyment in the match, that's better. You know? Yeah, no, we we agree totally. So I guess that's kind of my perspective on it. Um, one thing before before we close out here, I I was hoping to get from you guys some recommendations on where to go from here because I I do believe I have a pretty good source for um, targets now and uh, distribution. So I'm I'm not going to say anything right now, but it's pretty much solved. So by end of March, everything should be rolling really smoothly um, with target distribution. So now that that's checked off, kind of, I want to get some opinions on what the next thing to focus on should be. Obviously, like updating the website with current matches and um, and information. But as far as like content and info that I'm creating, where do you guys think I should focus my efforts? Um, as far as so, I got like three options here that I wrote down. But um, the obviously information for match directors and clubs that want to try starting PCSL, like getting easy access to that. But then that is a relatively small subset of people. Um, then there's all like I could also focus on current competitors from other divisions like USPSA, IDPA, Multigun, uh, and kind of come at it from a perspective that I'm addressing people who understand the value of competitive shooting, enjoy doing it, and just what this new format has to offer them. And then there's also getting uh, getting people in who maybe are not into competitive shooting, but have always wanted to try it, and PCSL would be a good starting point for them. So like, the information out to them would be differently presented than obviously to MDs or current competitors. So like, what or, or maybe it's something totally different that I need to, to focus on. Like, what do you guys think is the next step? Um, Hunter, I'll let you go first. I have thoughts, but I would like to hear your thoughts first. For sure. I think, uh, I think information to match directors and clubs and existing, existing clubs that have competition shooting at them, because I think that's going to be the path of least resistance to get more people aware of PCSL and shooting PCSL. Um, and that will like that's going to trickle in new shooters as well. So if you focused on trying to get with more clubs, providing more information for them and basically just making it where they have a little little chance to actually say no, we don't want to try this. You know, or whatever statistics you'd want to pull to make it attractive and educate the match directors around because there's still matches in arizona and arizona is like hotbed for competition shooting right like you can go to phoenix Absolutely. and shoot six matches a week if you want um now last pcl cell was at cactus um we've tried running them at prg or floated the idea around and they're like open to it but again they don't really understand um pima is is okay but it requires more to run it they just need people that they trust to help get it get it through the approval process of the board at that club but i think if you made the information more present because when i go to clubs now i'm I feel like i'm a missionary for the sport where i'm i'm like <laughs> preaching about how great pcsl is and how much better it is and match directors are like well now i have to worry about people shooting rifle and pistol i'm like <laughs> 
Okay, well, you just negated every point I just gave you. Uh, just with one rebuttal, and they don't want to listen. So if, if the information was presented in an easy, digestible way, I think it would... So like complete guide more... on front to back, like even a, a guy who who like is technically capable of running a tablet doesn't really know much about uh, match directing other than maybe he's shot some stages before. Like, I feel like I could create content that could take that guy from where he's at to being comfortable volunteering to match direct as long as right. he's got, you know, volunteer setup help. Yeah, that's that's that the biggest problem at Pima right now is like people don't want to match direct. I was a match director for like a year and a half for USPSA. I matched I was the match director for USPSA before I even had my USPSA membership because the guy stepped down and I was like, I arbitrarily decided USPSA is going to be my discipline. PCSL wasn't available at the time. Right. And so then I started shooting majors, getting better and traveling more. So I couldn't hold consistent matches. And uh, someone stepped in for about a year and a half. And then it just kind of bounced around with who wants to run it, who has time to run it, et cetera. Where it's really, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not that hard to run if, if you understand it. Right. When I first started, it was like baptism by fire. And I was like, how do the pads work? How's practice score work? And then you figure it out and it's no big deal. And I was setting up local matches by myself for like six stages, sometimes eight stages every day out there. But so if you gave that information to people where it doesn't seem like this big intimidating task to run a match, uh, it would help. And, and literature for the club itself. So they're not feel like it's a large undertaking to start a new league at their club. When at the end of the day, it's like, all right, the rules are slightly different. The targets are similar. You know, like it's not that far off from understanding if you already know practical shooting. Yeah, maybe like a, a simplified, not not really rule book, but like the a key point, key outline for someone who just needs a look at what the format would look like. And then mm -hmm. like references to the full rule book. And then that combined with like links to specific videos, like here's our best practices on designing a match with the current practice score offerings, like using hit factor, how to enter K zone, like it's going to be two alpha, that kind of thing. And then yep. best stage design practices. Like here's an example stage. Here's why I put this here. here. Here's something you can do as a stage designer, that kind of thing. Yes. I, yes, I, I agree. That, I, I think that that's a very good answer. I think, the other answer, which is it's not answering where Hunter's at. It's answering where me and the people I want to drag to matches are at is I would like PCSL open house events. If that makes any sense. Not just a match, but a Here's how to shoot a like. Here's an open like an open invitation to a introduction to competitive shooting based around PCSL rule set, right? So it's just like a summit, like you do it exactly. Like learning, yeah, maybe maybe even have like a practice stage or something that like people can experience would, it without having to shoot the I match. I would do like three stages. I would even do like yeah. three stages, like a good a good three stages, a good small, medium, and long uh, course. 
Dude, that's a good idea. We could set that up. I could probably work with Cobalt and set that up in Texas and somewhere and just have like meetings on day one where like here's you know, and we could even have a group of MDs like work together, design pages and do it. Exactly. If if you did this in like uh you set it up at like a range in, in Utah, a range in Texas, you did a range in like Kansas or Iowa, you did a range in the Carolinas, right? You you pick like four ranges, right? And you, you grab those ranges and say, we're going to do an introduction to competitive shooting open house, right? Let people show up. We're going to talk to them about our rule set. We'll talk about the other competitive divisions that people want to shoot, like USPSA or I don't practice anymore, IDPA, right? And we'll show our targets, we'll show their targets, we'll we'll talk about a couple things and kind of show what it is all about. Because at the end of the day, we all would rather people I would I think everyone here would rather agree that it's better that somebody goes shoots IDPA and enjoys shooting IDPA than saying PCSL is always the answer. But we all agree that I, the PCSL is the best path forward, and we would like to direct people to that, right? So we could talk about rule sets of IDPA, USPSA, and then talk about PCSL. But all the stages they shoot are on the PCSL rules because the PCSL rules are the ones that make the most sense, right? They're the most practical. That I would agree they are the, the best path forward. And therefore, all the stages that we do when we actually have a host stage to bring people in, let them shoot three or four stages that are on PCSL rules. They are able to shoot whatever gun they brought. We don't even do divisions, but they shoot it on PCSL rules, right? They understand that they can try, they can understand this, they can build a footing and get confidence. And therefore, when it gets to that point, the match understands what you're doing, or not the match, but the venue understands when you're hosting these matches with PCSL. They understand what you're doing. That that would be easy to set up at Mission 160, actually. Like they have that that big warehouse with TVs and presentations and stuff. If we're even talking about just in the general Dallas Fort Worth area, there's a lot of ranges that can do this. If we're talking about in Kansas, we're talking about in Colorado, we're talking about in the Carolinas, we're talking about in the Appalachian Mountain area, like in West Virginia, there's plenty of ranges that could host this, right? This isn't even just like a, a one range thing. Like, you can just have a rule set of like, we're going to talk about USPSA rules, IDPA rules, PCSL rules. All the things are Everything we're going to talk about is PCSL. You're going to shoot PCSL targets. You're going to understand our rules, but we're going to talk to you about the other ones that are out there. And we're just going to have an open house about competitive shooting. Right? Because at the end of the day, the best answer is if you want people, if, if you if I work for Apple and I want to sell iPhones, right? I want you to understand everything how good a Samsung Galaxy is and still make sure you want to buy an iPhone. Right? So like I would be at all of these 
that you're thinking of? Either you would be or somebody who understands ECSL would be there. You don't necessarily always have to be there. It's probably best at this point if you were, but you could probably pass this off to somebody else who could represent PCSL, right? I mean, dude, I, I would just like have everything recorded, like hire a media team, pay them 10 grand to, to produce exactly. like, a four-episode yeah. show. There's a, there's a million ways to go about this. And I'm not, I'm not speculating on how you want to go about this, but the idea for the end result is I would want somebody to sit there Right, who just bought their first Glock 19 and their first T Rex arm sidecar holster to sit in this listening fucking lecture about what they can do for a competition match, and they can hear what is USPSA, what is IDPA, what is PCSL, what do all these things mean, what are the rule sets. And then when we're there, this is hosted by PCSL. And PCSL is going to take you out, and you're going to shoot three stages based on PCSL, right, on the rule set. And you're going to understand how PCSL does this. And you're putting us on, but somebody will tell you, like, okay, like, if you were shooting IDPA or you were shooting USPSA, here's what would be different. Because I want people to understand. Like, well, PCSL, that sounds interesting. I could maybe go for that. But there's an IDPA match over here. Well, here's what you're going to get when you go to IDPA. Here's what you're going to get when you go to USPSA. Here's what you're going to get when you go to Steel Challenge. That's the difference. And I think that's the difference I think everybody needs to understand. Is there is something tangibly different about PCSL that is exactly the fresh, uh, the fresh breath of air that we all kind of want in the competitive shooting sports. And to demonstrate that to them in some stages where they can just shoot two or three stages and they can pick up exactly why this is different. And then you can walk them through their stage. And if you had a couple serious season shooters on the stage, they could tell them, here's where you could have been better. Right. And even if you hosted this event for like 50 bucks a person, right? Like if you went to a range in North Carolina and you hosted it for $50 a person, you could pick out like, hey, I've got like three coaches here and me, right? And I can pick out all these things of where we can make this person a better shooter. And we can tell them your transition from this state, this box to this box is bad. And we can improve that. And then you were outside of this zone on the PCSL target, and we can figure out how to improve that, right? But here, you understand competitive shooting, right? Even if that match won't host PCSL at that moment, that person will understand it. And if you can even coax that range into offering a two-gun variant of that class, or of that open house, I should say, to then saying, hey... Show up with a pistol and a rifle that is your favorite of the two. We don't even care about like how we would classify it in division. Your favorite pistol, your favorite carbine, show up. This is an open house and competition. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the rules for all these different divisions. We're going to talk about PCSL. You're going to obviously focus on PCSL, but you're going to talk about USPSA. You're going to talk about IDPA, and you're going to make it 
so that everybody sees what is actually different on the ground when they have the timer at their ear, they're going to understand it a lot better. And I think that's the value. I, I could totally set something like this up. I'm thinking about even talking to Josh about it. Like his uh, property would be a good location for it. Josh yeah, like, I, I, th- I think that's the best way to go about it because like, I think it, this is one of those things that until people realize that there is an actual difference and there is an actual difference in the mindset of what PCSL brings, they're not going to understand the difference. Right? Like, you actually have to tell somebody what the difference between, you know, shooting like a fucking high point in the Glock is. They don't know what the difference between shooting a high point in the Glock is until they've tried both. They're like, oh my God, I like shooting the Glock better. Or, oh my God, I like shooting the high point better because I'm on welfare and I'm stupid. Right? Like, these things matter because somebody can tell a difference. And, there's a difference to PCSL and the difference can only be really determined when you understand what the rule set you're competing against really is. And yeah, you can, you can try to host all sorts of things and you can try to like spread it out. But until you actually give an open house where people see the value, it's, it's kind of a moot point, man. I, I think we'll get there just by like word of mouth eventually. But yeah, this would accelerate it a lot. Um, I think it would accelerate it mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, like word of mouth is, is going far, but word of mouth, when you can tell somebody how actually good it is, because they can go shoot. If somebody has been shooting IDPA or USPSA or steel challenge and they show up to your thing and they're like, Oh man, I can tell how fun this is. Like specifically in like Colorado, like there's a lot of matches. There's a lot of competitive shooting in Colorado, but they don't do PCSL anywhere in Colorado because frankly, nobody actually knows it's there and nobody actually hosts it. Nobody cares. But if you had just even a match, like a range that hosts a match, like um, the ranges at Pikes Peak hosts SoCo 3-Gun, right? If you just said, hey, we're going to do a demonstration day for com- different disciplines of competitive shooting, right? And sign-up cost is $30, right? Just to, just to rent the range for the day. Bring your own ammo, rifle and pistol. And we're going to talk about rule sets of USPSA, IDPA, and 3, and uh, PCSL, right? And maybe even blend in 3-gun. Right, because there's maybe there's a lot of people that shoot three gun in that area, and have that match run. You you'll get people. You'll get people that will show up and be like, "Damn, this PCSL thing is cool as shit." We need to push the range into housing this match. This is cool. I like the targets. I like the rule set. I like the idea. Let's go for it. We need to get these guys to do it. You will get people signing on because they'll understand the value of it after you've actually kind of done a run-through classifier on all of these matches. Like, I, do, I, I gotta, I gotta think yeah. about getting going. It's uh, three and a half hours in, almost. Yeah, yeah no, we've been out totally. for a while, boys. Um, so we'll conclude this episode of Clone and Correct. Um, I really appreciate everyone for showing up. 
Max, thanks for coming back. Hunter, thank you for joining. I <laughs> want to thank uh, Noner for jumping in for the time he was here. Um, this was fantastic. And you really should split this up <laughs> into two we'll episodes. We'll probably split it up into two, Just into two episodes. split it up when uh, I join, right? I've been on for... Uh... You've been Noter, on like, Noter was on for like an hour and 15, and then we did another like two and a half hours. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, but like the CI usually runs in about the uh, about the three hour episodes these days, but we'll, we'll, we'll split up into two just so that it's a little digest- digestible. Uh, if I can speak, no, that, that's a good idea though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore that. I'll talk to some people, and um, if, if anything, like we'll, we'll media the shit out of it, and then it'll just be like front page on the yeah, website, yeah. so like, you I, can link it to whoever you want. I think that's a good what idea. What if we got it in the USPSA magazine? Would that help? <laughs> yeah, infiltrate <laughs> someone in front site. Yeah. yeah well, oh, sorry, it's well, not called front site anymore. I'll, I'll buy a condo, okay? Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me, too. Uh, appreciate your time, and I think uh, I think it's part of our mission to help this sport grow. Absolutely. Hunter, we do want. I w- we would like to have you back on for Clone and Correct at some point independently. I know we have some questions about the uh, the concealed carry belt and some oh, yeah. progressions in uh, the competitive world and the training world and everything else that has happened in the past year. So we would love to have Should you. We back. make it mandatory for ACP division. Um, no actual Constantine pistol. Hey. Hold on, yeah, it's required you have to use my belt. <laughs> well, hold on, time out. I'm the divisions. I'm just gonna say it so it's out publicly, and we're not gonna talk about it because we're done with this podcast. And Max, you've already told me your thoughts on this, but I'm gonna put it out to the universe right now. Full auto division, and that's all we're gonna say about it. Okay, and that's it. We're not discussing it any further. That's just it. We're just gonna sprinkle it out there and see what people say. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll get off before I say anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right we got a pcs cell phone out of division coming out hot all right yeah. anyway cool uh, thank you for everybody tuning in to the clone and correct podcast and uh you have yourselves a fantastic rest of your day <laughs>